Gaming NBS episode 300 being recorded Monday, June 29th, 2020. I think we hit it right on the head, man. Like, one minute after 8 o'clock Central Time. That's not bad. That's pretty good for us. Game in the BS, the Tabletop RPG Podcast. I'm Sean. I'm Brett. Welcome to the show. Welcome back, folks. If you just joined us, sorry for what you're about to endure. If you've been with us for a while, you know this job was dangerous when you signed up. So, nothing nothing for you people. <laughs> oh, man. How you been, Sean? Fantastic. Get any good gaming in this last weekend or week? Anything I did cool? not do any gaming this weekend. What the uh, hell? I, Mr. Hubs, who runs our BX game, had prior commitments. So we had we were down a player out of four. Oh, I see. I see. And I see. so we postponed. And then uh, this weekend, I think I'm going to try to get our Tomb of Annihilation game wrapped up. All wrapped up. Yeah. And it's Saturday on the fourth, so I don't know if everybody's available. I haven't. I posted it and I haven't looked at the responses yet. So you? Uh, let's see. Play Call of Cthulhu with AJ and Lana, and Lana made it to the second floor of the haunted house. Then the uh, uh, bed frame smashed into her and knocked her out a window. She fell to her death. Oh! And she said, "I've never had a character die that quick before." I said, "You okay?" She goes, "That was kind of cool. Can I make another one?" <laughs> it just character fled screaming. So they're gonna try it again. Go back to the haunted house and see if they can figure it out. If anybody's an old longtime Cthulhu fan, the uh, it's the haunted house that's been in a number of different Call of Cthulhu uh, core books. It's in the Quick Start Guide. My kids have never played anything like this, so it's not. Sometimes I feel like those things. I for some reason I'm going, oh my god, so hacky to use that thing. But my, it's a really good way to get the kids used to and me uh, the new mechanics within Seventh Edition. It was cool. We did, you know, push and luck and tried all sorts of cool stuff. So it was fun. They had a good time. The system's rolling really well. They had a they had a blast getting the handouts because I printed out the little. If you go to the newspaper, you could get handout one, two, or three, and then they're lining them up and drawing connections and stuff. So that's pretty cool. It's very fun to watch. And let's see. Then it was uh, under mountain, so that was fun. We survived. That was good. Last Tuesday, work blew up, so I didn't get a chance to run my Avalon game, which was disappointing and frustrating all at the same time. But this week, tomorrow's Avalon game should be better. So, or at least should happen. So that'll be good. Hopefully work won't blow up. So, anyway, that's about it, man. No blowing up aloud at work. I would hope not. It's getting tired of it. Yeah. So, how's that YouTube channel doing, dude? Eh, not too bad. I got... Uh... I was going to put it in the die roll, so I did the spell duel mechanic of DCC. I thought it was all right. Mirko had some very valuable feedback, which is stuff that I will take to the next one. I haven't decided what I'm going to do the next one on. I don't, there's a lot of core. Like, I could do a lot of, like, how does gumshoe work? Nope. I don't know gumshoe. Did you see the the feedback in the forums? I did, I think, which for what? People said some nice things about you. Oh, did they? Yeah. Oh. So I assume this is probably the end, and uh, it was good working with you. <laughs> As you rocket your way to stardom, <laughs> right? I will. Uh, I'll sit back here. Oh man, that 
video is not my jam. Like I've got audio down, I've got some streaming down fairly well, uh, and but uh, well, think video. Of the year, think of the years you've been doing. I mean, you had Grumbling Dwarf, you've done other podcasts, and you're an audiophile kind of guy. And then you take that and say, well, all right, we'll just add video to it. <laughs> Anybody yeah. out there who's done video, it's not easy. It's like you, it's, If you want to do it, one, like what is the 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 video piece? How does that come into play, right? Mm-hmm. And yep. and want, like you might have a vision and go, oh, I could, this would be really cool and I'll produce it like in this way. And then there's my own limitations and, and like, well, I don't. I'm not a pr- th- Adobe Premiere could, guy or yeah, whatever. I thought I could do this. Turns yeah. out I am not Steven Spielberg. Uh, turns out I can't do that right. or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I know what I have in my head. How do I make the thing happen out loud? Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, it is it's definitely definitely new and refreshing. And uh, I think I've got I think I've got a new angle. It's not new. I think I just have to hone in because on the DCC video, I do a little bit of DCC commentary, like. Oh, this is what Dungeon Crawl Classics kind of incorporates, or the feel and stuff, which is, you know, probably five to seven minutes too long. Like I could just nix that and get right into the spell duel and call it a day. So, yeah, I mean, there's the, yeah, just go right for the core of it. Look, if you want to know what this is about, go see Gaming BS episode what seven? Not seventy, is it? Is it seventy? Whichever one oh, we did with with, uh, Seb- with Jen. Actually, you're really close, Brad. I think uh, Jen was on seventy one, seventy two, or seventy seventy one. Yeah. If nothing yeah. else, going to go into your podcast section of the, your DCC rulebook, and it has our link in it. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's I think that's interesting. Whereas this show, we can ramble a bit, which we are wont to do. But in that type of thing. You want to grab them, hook them, and go. And if somebody shows up, like, huh, what's this DCC thing about? It's like, hey, check these other sources out. Not getting into that here. Right. Which is tough grab to Grab them, hook them, stick them in a stew. Grab them, hook, hook them, em, stick them in, in a stew. stew. <laughs> nice. All right. Anything else? Anything new, crazy, interesting? Uh, I don't think so. I don't, uh, I don't, I don't, I can't think of anything new or interesting. Did you uh, slap the Ennies thing down in the... I did. It's you in did. the die okay, roll. Cool. Do you, are you working your way back through work backwards through the notes, Brett? Uh, maybe, maybe. <laughs> it's been a long, weird ass day. Yeah. I hate I hate socks auditors. Sorry, I you just, hate what socks auditors? Socks auditing. Hey, Not everybody! Auditors. Welcome Not to auditing. Gaming ABS. We're going to be talking about socks today. Yeah, and it's not ones you put on your feet. No, this is Sarbanes Oxley, also known <laughs> as Brett wants to kill himself. Yeah, it's terrible. Anyway. Let's stop talking about that shit before I just get upset and start what? drinking. And just move on to Random Encounter. Let's just go. <laughs> Jeez. This is not Welcome to out. episode 300 where we really bring it to you. Yeah, this is not good. I'm failing. Random Encounter, a segment of the show where we field emails, voicemails, comments from social media. We'll give Brett just a little bit of a reprieve as we have Chris Shore calling in uh, t- to leave a voicemail. So here Thank we go. God, because I am fucking this up pretty hard from the beginning. I'm going to step aside and uh, let somebody else talk. Carry on. Uh, after the show, stick around. We'll be holding auditions for Sean's new co-host. Some, somebody's got to know <laughs> what the fuck they're doing. Carry on. Hey, Brett and Sean, it's Chris Shorb, and I realized you're probably going to be recording your 300th episode sometime soon. Congratulations to both of you for lasting this long. Really have enjoyed your podcast, and your podcast is unique amongst all my podcasts. It's the only one that's an hour or longer that I still subscribe and listen to every time it comes out. And that's it. 
credit to you guys continuing to be funny, to be engaging, and to be talking about interesting stuff. Again, congrats on 300 episodes. And, you know, whether you stop tomorrow or whether you continue for another 300, I'll be, I'll be here. Take care, man. Bye. That's very nice. Thank you, Mr. Shorb. Yeah. Very cool. Thanks, Mr. Shorb. You can read the next one. I'm still I not can. I'm still not I'm still not with it. You can right. carry on. All right, that's fair enough. All right, all right. Let's see. Uh patron Harrigan files this at the eleventh hour. He writes in Sean and Brett. Three hundred, three hundred, three hundred. This is Sparta, er I mean gaming NBS. <laughs> Congrats, fellas. Serious milestone. I've really enjoyed the last few episodes. Lots of overlapping themes, kind of culminating in the GM style. Episode number 299, Fun Listens. Uh, I have gobs of thoughts on the subject, but I'll be brief, I promise. Point one, a final thought on both resource management and tension. In addition to rolling the die of fate to see if bad things happen, you can also drop specific entries into random tables. Encounters, weather tables, random events, wandering monsters, whatever you're rolling on, include entries for running short on food if the party is exploring the wilderness, running short on air if the party is exploring a derelict spaceship, running short on torches and 10-foot poles if the party is delving into a dungeon, advancing the bad big bad's armies if the party is wasting time at any activity you don't like. This one is for tension. Advance that doomsday clock. Little custom built tables are awesome for this sort of thing, and they are easy to make. And remember, if it's random, it's not your fault. <laughs> the other cool thing about a, a table like that is when when you have that wonderful inspiration piece, like, oh, yeah, this could happen in the wilderness. Oh, this could happen on a derelict spacecraft. If you put it in the chart, even if you're not really rolling on it to be random, sometimes it's just a bullet point list of shit that I think would be cool to happen. And you've got it right there because you won't hit that writer's block kind of feeling in the middle of the game. And afterwards going, oh, yeah, that's right. I wanted to have them lose air. Son of a bitch. But you're like, oh, wait, it's on the list. So it's a really good way to go. Anyway, he's not done yet. Carry on. He is not done yet. Point two GM style. The last episode. I'm 100% with Brett. Well, that only makes sense. <laughs> There, see, that's a pick-me-up. That's what I needed after this. Yeah, see, Brett, you see, get on right the there. show and shit just turns around for it you. It does. Thank you, Harrigan. Very good. God, somebody pick this guy up, man. Somebody. Jesus. The way I describe my own preference is that I need to be able to internalize a game. I hate, hate, hate looking things up at the table. Breaking the flow, pausing the action. Yuck. Yeah, I hear you. I think Brett does too. Amen. Amen to that. Man, indulging in vanilla Coke again and on the show, just, not just, cool. Just uh, No, bad idea, dude. Lots of burps, burps. This is why these days I prefer lighter games. They are easier to internalize. It's also one of the reasons I've come to appreciate roll under or standard test for success systems. The GM isn't setting a difficulty most of the time, so it's even more streamlined. Can't say enough good things about the Black Hack, Tiny Dungeon, and the Shadow of the Demon Lord for this kind of speedy play. Where I defer with you, too, is that I enjoy both games where the story emerges from and is centered on the PCs 
and games where the characters need to plug into a setting where they are just part of a wider world that cares little about their pathetic lives. <laughs> Both have advantages, and you don't need to play one versus the other exclusively. Absolutely right. That's all I've got. I'll crack a beer for you tonight. Again, nice work running a podcast of this quality for this long. All of us BSers will listen along happily until Sean puts himself in the hospital on his one wheel, and Brett finally admits he's a card-carrying story gamer and disappears into that scene. Cheers. <laughs> Harrigan! Oh, oh yes, that's very yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. I uh, actually Harrigan, I gotta say, man, I reread um, my Black Hack. It's not, it's not hard to reread, right? But I busted through that, and I'm like, you know, there are some really, really good, fast, smooth, elegant things in this, and uh, yeah, I'm gonna give that a go. I've got to. It's one of those games. Like, yeah, I should run that sometime. It sits on the I should run it sometime shelf. But this is uh, this one's got to come out. So Harrigan's joining us this evening live and is confirmed that he is drinking that beer he mentioned. Well, I would hope so. He would. Harrigan's no liar. He's a man of his word. A damn straight. Hey, shout out to Brazil. Hey, hello Brazil. All right. So, patron Ghost GM comments on GM style. Last episode, 299. I wrote the blow post before I listened to the episode, so I'm leaving it here. I think that it reflects my current gaming style. Free, free, to, not to mention it. Not too bad, buddy. We're doing it anyway. Um, I'm posting this here because it comes after one of the best gaming sessions I've run. And one of my players said they've had it. One of the best gaming sessions I've run. And one of my players said that it's also the best they've had in a long time. The best part of it is it was completely narrative, even though we were using a non-narrative system, i.e. D20. To me, narrative games can happen no matter the system used, as they involve the complete engagement from the players and the GM in the story that's being told at the table. For this reason, I dare say that narrative games almost go hand in. Uh, these are the preferences that I've come that have become dear to my heart. I started with D&D 4E, so that tells you what I liked at the beginning of my short RPG career. So, on to the episode deets. The characters, so we're going to get a little background here. The characters in the eye of the storm, as Farford calls it, which is me, uh, have to agree with him on that. Are living in Puerto Rico, definitely know what that is. Ooh, good lord. Uh, backgrounds are important depending on the adventure. If it's homebrew, I always use their stories in the game somehow. But if it's a pre-made adventure, I'll ask questions. Like, why do you bother to live there? Why would your character be here and not other places? Basically, at the point... The important thing is not the background per se, but how the PCs interact with the world, i.e. their personalities. Player narration, even GM narration, happens before the die roll that allows me or the player, if they want to narrate their success slash failure, to provide an answer to what happens. I believe, excuse me, I believe the role should be done when it's going to change the scene in some way. This is the idea of the failing forward mechanic, at least as I understand it. Dice rolls in the open, period. Rule of cool is always allowed at my table, but only if it's appropriate. They know to use common sense. Although the systems I like to play allow for that kind of stuff. Really good episode. Ghost GM, uh, Jermaine Sanders. So, very cool. Very, very cool. Yeah. I think it's... I I like the I like the fact that that um, uh, Ghost GM went through and just kind of like, hey, how, how do I answer these questions? What, is it, what does it mean to me type of thing? That's pretty cool. Nice. Thank you very much for writing in. Yeah. Ghost Sean, over to you. Keep diving. Comments on GM style. Good episode, guys. So much to address. First, I am very much a different GM now in my 40s than I was in my childhood or even 10 years ago. 
I think I have changed in a manner similar to how Brett has changed. Hmm. Has Brett changed? Uh, a little bit. I'm getting older. <laughs> Beard's longer and more white. I know that. I used to be overly concerned about the experience of role-playing. To accommodate a desired experience, rules often were fudged or ignored or cooked. In other words, the game was a story first, a game second. These days, in contrast, there is no better term for my role than that of referee. I no longer see myself as owning the game or the narrative experience. The application of this perspective is therefore similar to Sean's school of GMing. I have a world, however, I allow my players to define components of that are relevant to their characters. I have determined some things that are happening in that world, and I have players, and I have players. Sometimes it's difficult for my players to understand that I don't at all care what their characters choose to do. There is honestly and truthfully no desired path for them. It totally and profoundly doesn't matter to me. That's actually, that's a powerful, that's a powerful statement. It really allows you to, if you can do that, if, you know, if you can do what Gabe's talking about there, in my experience, when I have been able to make that, some really cool shit happens. But you have really got to let go, you know, hand off the wheel. You've got to, you know, it's like teach a kid to ride a bicycle at a certain point. You got to push him and let go and hope Sean doesn't crash this one wheel. You got to, it's got to go. It's got to let him go. <laughs> carry on, carry on. Uh, the previous comments were are specific to my ongoing D&D sandbox. When I run Conan 2D20, the experience is quite different, but my approach is nonetheless similar. That game encourages the adventure to open in the, open in the middle of situations and go. In other words, I do in 2D20 what I do with my D&D. There is a situation and I drop my PCs into it, but the situation is smacked right into the faces of the PCs and the adventures tend to be punchy and episodic. Hmm, nice. Brett's GMing style topic involved rules mechanics as well as tonal and pacing considerations. By the way, my most favorite groups are infinitely patient ones that are happy to open the books and learn a rule, how a rule should be applied to given situation. I don't enjoy the pressure of always having to keep everybody focused and entertained. Hmm. It seems that he prefers to defer to a game's core me more core mechanic or simply GM around a ruling. I agree in principle, but one of the reasons I prefer to run early D&D is because universal mechanics, to me, don't always apply to every situation. Some rules are better suited for simulating some actions than others. Early D&D is famous for a host of mini-games designed to simulate a variety of applications. Why? Well, you're certainly welcome to argue with me over it, but for me, it's because rolling a d20 plus modifier doesn't seem relevant to every possible situation. I think there's merit to that. There's totally merit to that. I mean, yeah. w without without pinning, you know, Mr. Ward or Mr. Mensner or one of the old, you know, one of the old folks that helped us, old folks, one of the originators of our hobby with these rule sets. Pinning them down saying, what exactly did you mean, Mr. Ward? Um, it's hard to know. And even now, what you knew back, hmm, you, history is, you know, we have 2020 hindsight a lot of times. So sometimes there's like, I was trying to do blah, when in fact, like, hey, I had this D12. No one was using it. I just thought it'd be funky if we had a D12 chart. Sometimes that's exactly why things happen. So I like it. It's, it's a good perspective. Keep going. This also brings up for me the starkest issue apparent in this topic. What is the more powerful force defining the game experience? 
Is it the GM or the rules? In Brett's case, it appears to be the GM. Brett might GM around any situation arising in nearly any game, and he will lean back on his well-defined style from years of practice. It makes me want to experience Brett running Avalon and then call Cthulhu because I wonder if my overriding takeaway would be contrasting experiences between those two very different game systems or a more powerful regard for Brett as GM hmm. for running uh, regard for Brett as GM for Brett running games for Brett running any game. No fair. I mean that. No, keep going. Keep going. This. this yeah, is cool. yeah. 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 This is not meant to be a condemnation of Brett or me or anybody, of course. But judging from what I'm hearing, I'm guessing that Brett likes a certain game experience at a table and he makes the game, any game, regardless of system, do precisely what he intends from the story tone and pacing he has in mind. I I would, uh, would have to agree with you. I think, you know, introspectively and looking back, um, Sean and I have talked about this a little bit, and sometimes if you say, hey, I'm, I'm going to play in this game. Who's your game master? Sean. Oh, he's really good. Why is he really good? Oh, man, his games are always... I, I very rarely have I heard somebody say, oh, that person's a great uh, game master. Why? Man, she rolls the is rules as written all the time. Absolute. The way the rules... Rules, rules. It's always, at least as explained to me, how that person is implementing the rules, however they're working with it. You know, I hear great things about Judge Jen, Jen Brinkman of DCC. Um, she's great. I've yet had to have the opportunity to game to play with her. She played in one of my games. But it, people say, oh, it's great because of how she does the game, right? So I think there's, I, I, like, what, I like what we're hearing here. So this is kind of cool. This is neat. Keep going, man. Oh, excuse me, man. Burps. Good Lord. Hashtag burps. What's wrong with you? My own practice? I like to think our group approach is fairly collective. I'm the referee, so of course, I have final say on a matter, but rarely do I have to be so autocratic. Good. If an unusual in-game situation arises, I tend to express how I intend to resolve the action, then I ask for feedback. The kind of collective game building, because these conclusions set precedents, have affected our entire system. Moreover, often my players make requests for rules changes to accommodate their emerging character concepts. Just one example, we recently decided to allow one monk PC to swap out delicate tasks and pick locks for cleric spells and the turn undead ability. Hmm. Neat. I think I, Gabe. I, I think Gabe's got Brett nailed. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm not totally. that difficult. To, I'm not that difficult to figure out, man. <laughs> Ask my wife. It's a, just a digger long to figure out how to crack this nut. It's not that hard. But I think the. Um, I, I think when you start looking back at things, you say, "Hey, I express how I want to. How do I intend to resolve the action?" As Gabe says, and then ask for feedback. Kind of collective game building. If I look, if somebody were to be outside, take notes as to how I ran a game and come back and say, hey, do you realize you asked 16, you know, defining questions and said, I, I, nobody's doing that, at least that I'm aware of. No one's auditing games right now to come back and provide feedback and say, Sean, do you realize you said hell no and fuck you no 15 times in that last game. Now, most of them were geared towards Jeff, which we understand is, re is reasonable. However, um, you know, so on and so forth. 
I really think that if I were to look back on a lot of what Gabe is talking about that he's doing, I think I do, and I'm just doing it in my own way, perhaps, or maybe I think I am, and I'm not really, which is, again, why it, it pays to think this stuff through periodically and like, huh, why am I doing what I'm doing? Is it habit? Am I just game mastering over the top of everything because I can't stand the game system for some reason? Or what the hell's my deal? Or your deal in this case, Sean. Anyway, good stuff, though. Very good stuff. Thank yeah, you. Great stuff. Thank you, Gabe. All yeah, right. Gabe. So let's see here what we got here. Patron old school DM comments on spell components from email on episode 299. And here's the obligatory RTFM post. Hey. Uh, you knew it was coming. In response to a listener comment on episode 299 about D&D 3.5 spell component pouches. Again, Brett and Sean don't know the 5.0 rules. It doesn't bother them not a whit. Slight smile. That's yeah, true. He had a, he had a couple of emo emojis in there. <laughs> yeah. kind of wink, wink, exactly. smile. Yeah. <laughs> for the record, the D&D rules for component pouches is dirt simple. A component pouch is a small watertight leather belt pouch that has compartments to hold all the material components and other special items you need to cast your spells, except for those components that have a specific cost, as indicated in a spell's description. Okay, I think I referenced that. Just wasn't quoting it verbatim which I should have looked up. The vast majority, by count, of lower-level spells do not have a component requirement or have components requirement without a cost. Here's a list of those that have cost. So it goes through. With the exception of gentle repose, narratively requires one copper for each eye, all com components listed, be uh, listed below are 10 GP or higher, so the 5e pouch is functionally identical with the 3.5 version. So yes, Brett, 5e works basically the same way. Thank you, Randy. Every single spell my players have used regularly either have no material component or would be covered by the pouch or an arcane focus. So no fuss, no muss. No special accounting for normal stuff. The few things they use once in a while, identify, do not consume the component. Honestly, it seems the costs below are all about keeping some sense of checks and balances in the game. As a DM, I don't think I'd ever waive the cost listed. It ain't broken and it doesn't need fixing. Old school DM, Randy. I think that's fair. Absolutely fair. What I what I wonder then, when I read that, I go, huh, interesting. When do you have to refresh that pouch? Is it just assumed? And this is, again, I need to go back and reread the rules. It's on my stack of books to read again. But from a tracking gear perspective, you can say, okay, that's how the pouch works in 5e. Does it ever run out? I would assume yes. If you're in a desert or you're in the middle of the forest or a dungeon somewhere, What happened? how many uses does that component pouch have? And if it's a thing where you're like, look, I don't fucking care, it's just there, as long as you have it, you're good, then it can be a treasure item. If you want, if you say, hey, things are running out, you could say, well, I one of the reasons to kick the crap out of the, uh, out of the monster wizard or the bad guy wizard is you get that person's component pouch because you may well need the bits or pieces, but I like this. Um, as I said, we've said this before, we're going to, going back over my 5e stuff, picking bits and pieces, going to do a complete reread again. Um, but I, uh, this was good stuff. Randy, for, thank you very much. This helps J to speed my Jared and Mo, Jared and Mo say it doesn't run out. It doesn't mention anything about running out in the rules. Neat. Apparently. Yeah. So it's like a decanter of endless spell component water or something. Nah, it's kind of... Harrigan mentioned a t random table. <laughs> does the pouch run out or not? Yeah, totally. I, again, I'm not saying you have to do that because to Randy's perspective, it's not broken. It doesn't need to be fixed. But if we right. go back to the earlier topics we had about tracking bits and pieces and so on, you may say, you know, I like that. However, I'm going to only give it 
X number of uses. And then you may have to spend five gold pieces or a day foraging where you just go and find stuff. I distinctly remember in some of the, uh, the old uh, Dragonlance novels where Raceland would disappear and come back and be like, where the hell were you? And he would say, I was gathering components I need for my spells, you morons. Um, which is pretty much how he would probably say it because he was always condescending to them. But he would go and do that. You'd have to go and buy things and get pieces and parts. Sometimes it might even be a case of just regular cost of living. Maybe that's where it's covered, right? So your character's cost of living and so on. But again, if you're going to do something where you're tracking gear in a survival type of environment, you may want to assign some level of how does it, does it run out or how many uses does it have? Don't have to. Again, broken. You don't have to fix it. Just an idea. Very cool, though. Thank you, Randy. Yeah, thanks, Randy. More proof that our listeners are way smarter than we are. Yeah. Over to you, Sean. Email from A-Bomb. Brett and Sean, I'm a longtime listener, first-time caller. I want to congratulate both of you on making it 300 episodes. Not many podcasts can say that. I've been following you guys since episode 50. No, I did not go back and listen to 1 through 49. I will forgive you. Pretty you're, soon you're not going to be able to get those. Not through well, the feed. I think I'm going to archive some of them so our feed doesn't get completely out of hand. All right. You have to go to our website, by the way. So Carry on. Out. I have been wanting to write to both of you for a long time now. I thought your 300th is the best time. Eh, seems like a real good time. Why not? Over the past 250 episodes, I've gone through a lot of life changes. Moves, kids, now one and three. Lost wow. of jobs, outsourced, and personal growth. One thing that has been a constant is your podcast. Thank you for bearing, being there, not just for me, but for the community also. Wow. Thanks, that's, man. That's really nice, dude. Yeah. That's really, really cool. Thank you very much. Very, very nice. Very flattering. On to the main topic, he, he, he. <laughs> I would like to say that your podcast has my creativity flowing. I have only ran one game for about three sessions, then it went off the rails, so I never did it again. Your advice has given me new ideas, and I'm thinking of doing a one-shot to see how it goes. Awesome. Very, very cool. Brett, I know this is late. Well, really late. But congratulations on your Kickstarter. Oh, thank you. Thank you very when much. It, when it first started, I backed just the PDF version. But after I heard the actual play of your setting, I got the printed version. Oh, Because cool. of life in general, a.k.a. one- and three-year-old, I have not gotten my copy yet. I'm looking forward to getting it and reading it. Oh, very nice. Thank you. Sean, as a producer of the podcast, all I can say, uh, all I can say, masterful job. Quality editing and now streaming is top notch. Thank you for your hard work to keep the show going. Also, thank you for staying alive. <laughs> which, which is, which you're, is, you're welcome. It's risky. <laughs> you should buy a train. They look safer to drive. Hey, train! <laughs> there we go. Yeah, baby. Right. There are two. There are many more comments, gratitude, and and banter. I would like to add, but I am trying to keep this reasonable. Also, I have a short break to finally write this. Thank you, again, guys. Keep up the great work. Here to, is to to the first three hundred, and here is the next to the next three hundred episodes. May all your roles end up natural twenties. Aaron A Bomb Leskowski. Very cool. Thank you, Aaron. Yeah. Thanks, A-Bomb. Yeah. A-Bomb. I'll tell you, one that we, we've mentioned this before, and uh, Aaron mentions it here, is, you know, hey, I want to try that again. I think 
there's a number of folks out there, you know, Randy Farmer, Gabe, there's a lot of folks out there who have been gaming as long, if not longer, have great experience, have run stuff and played things I've never heard of, have amazing experiences that we, we hear these stories of, that sounds awesome. Man, I wish I had time to run that game or read that game or whatever. And that's great. But I really think one of the coolest things that any, the, the gaming BS community kind of as a whole is when we can say, hey, these people started running or playing or just got their friends together and gave it a shot, had a good time, and they're trying it again. And uh, I just think that's awesome because it's such a fun hobby and near and dear to our hearts, obviously. I've been doing it since third grade. And it's just, it's a lifelong, really cool thing you can do. So that's just, yeah. that's so awesome to hear. It always makes me happy. And A-Bomb Man and anybody else that's reading this and they're just, they had that break and they're coming back or they haven't delved in and maybe they've played or starting to play and they want to run. And they're like, I'm really nervous about running. Fall off the bike, get back on the bike. It's okay. You brush it off. It's a bad session. We all have them. Brett has them all the time. You just... A lot. Get back at the table, roll the dice, and come up with a new idea or a new approach. And even sometimes the old approaches work just fine. Just don't give up, man. No, and I'll tell you, there are times I go, God, that session, Jesus. The next day, text my buddy Lenny. Oh, man, I just felt off. He goes, what do you mean? That was awesome. Oh, yeah, see? Cool, thanks. They get a hold of Nick, and Nick's like, what are you talking about? That was great. I'm like, man. It's I like this that, podcast. I thought it sucked Like, we toast. think it sucks every episode. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> no, you're doing fine. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> All right, let's go on. All right, let's get to the main topic. Thanks, everybody, for writing in this week and, and past weeks. We appreciate it. Let's get into the main topic. Oh right. my God! What are we talking about this week, Brett? Well, this so in an effort to make sure this podcast continues to be good, I figured I'd pick a uh, one of our listeners' topics. If it sucks, I could just blame them. So, Gabe, you're up. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Gabe had a really good idea here. Um, we put the. I like to grab these out in the forums and other places when when the listeners give them to us because it's just again, you folks have some really good experiences and are seeing things from angles that Sean and I don't always questioning stuff, which is great. So Gabe said this in the forums. He said, I've been thinking about PCs relying too much on NPCs. In a couple of games I've been running slash playing in, it seems almost every time a question gets asked or a decision has to be made, the PCs say, quote, what does the NPC think? Does the NPC know the solution? Unquote. Basically, the PCs just follow around the NPC. In the game I'm in, the GM has been requiring PCs to spend a fortune point for relying on NPCs. How do you all handle it? Good grief, excuse me. Um, I have run into this a couple different times over the years, um, especially Twice? new players. Especially new <laughs> players. <laughs> I'm, ex I'm under exaggerate. <laughs> I'll tell you, but I find new players are lean on it sometimes because they don't know any better. And when new players lean on it, I give them a bit of a pass um, insofar as they say, hey, these folks, she's not sure how to do this. He's not quite sure what they're supposed to be doing. They're having a hard time with it. So they look and go, oh, thank God. The game master put a GNPC, an NPC, whatever terminology you want. There, I can ask them questions and get data. Sometimes I think the um, what's interesting to me is I try to make the NPCs 
if you have a permanent NPC, by that I mean somebody who's adventuring with the group. Is that the right? game master player character or the what? Are the, I've heard you, of GM yeah, NPC. Yeah, some people. Like Robin Laws wants to call them GNPCs. Game. I I don't know. Game I've master. heard it thrown around. I, I've never grokked it, but I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't NPC, know. non-player character. That's just, we'll go with that because it's a faster acronym. But I think if you have a permanent NPC, sometimes it's even just a um, a hireling, a henchman, the rented wizard who's with the party, the torchbearer who's hanging out with you as you go into the, the tomb of ultimate death. How the hell you convince that poor kid to come with you? I have no idea. Um, but it's very common for the players, because when they're, at a, when they're stumped, to turn to the person Hey, you're from this town. Do you know anything about the story of the Witch Mountain? Do you know anything about the thing in the spaceport? You live here, don't you, kid? Or ma'am or sir or whatever. <laughs> Boy, I, I'll tell you, like I say, experienced players, it kind of irritates me, frankly, where I'm like, really? Y'all don't want to... Why are you doing that? <laughs> it's kinda so like, it you irritates just being, you for you them... Just, it irritates you for them to use the NPC as a... Like, like just as this, oh, that's the NPC. They have to know. Oh. Oh, they live here. I'm like, oh. okay, so it's like using them as a as a Google. Ah. You know, using them yes. as, well, they have to have the right information. So before I get into options and how I've dealt with it, Sean, do you run into this? Is Jeff and company in the uh, Tomb of Annihilation, are they leaning on NPCs left, right, and center and saying, oh... You're the sage who studied the great Lich Kings. I'll go ask you every time I have to blow my nose what I should do and shouldn't do. Do you run into that? I have, sure, of course. Yeah, I think kind of all do at one point. But it, I think the degree of that occurring varies. Does it, does it yeah. irritate you or do you list like, oh, oh yeah, it's, it it's a necessary is, is it a necessary evil? You think it's just kind of. I think sometimes it's okay because there's. So part of me is like, yeah, this is great because. If I try to facilitate something, there is the meta game, which we all know about, and mm. then there's the their in-game piece. And I try to keep things in-game if I can. And one way to convey those things is have an NPC thrown in there to convey it for you in the game. Absolutely, because this is a first-person narrator who's telling you exactly, don't go to the town, don't yes. go to the bar, oh, that space captain is evil, Oh, those cowpokes hang out there. They're telling you stuff. They're giving you data directly. And man, in and Call of Cthulhu, right. you've got to investigate. You've got to talk to people. You've got to ask the cops. You've got to try to push. My kids last week, they like <laughs> they go to try to push themselves into the Globe, the, uh, the Boston Globe uh, newspaper archives, and they botch their role. Then they're like, okay, we're going to push. I said, remember, if you push and you fail... The mechanic says it's a disastrous type of failure. They fucked it up. I didn't say fuck it up to them, my kids, and they're young, but like, hey, you messed that up. So <laughs> they get booted out there, banned for life. This person refuses to talk to them anymore. And like, oh, oh, man, oh, jeepers. And it's, it's, it's terrible. It's shocking to them because, like, oh, we were getting all this good info and now it's dried up. So I think what Gabe's talking about here is having, you know, having to spend fortune points. Or um, dice rolls to try to get stuff out of people, some kind of a spend. And if you jack up the spend or you screw up the spend, I should say, it costs you where they don't want to talk to you anymore. They don't want to deal with you as a character or whatever. Personally, Sean, how I deal, how I deal with this is a couple different ways. And it all boils down to NPC's personality and goals. 
does the person like, you know, is the person open to being liked by you, talk to you? What's their personality like? Will they talk to you? Blah, blah, blah. And why the hell would they tell you? You know, what's their goal? What, what, what's this going to bring about if they tell you something? So if it's in a town and somebody's just needling the bartender, eventually the bartender's like, look, I got shit to do and walks away and goes, you know, and serves the Twi'leks at the end of the bar because she's busy. She doesn't have time to just sit here and be grilled by you, whether you have seen this, you know, this person, this wretched hive of scum and villainy you're hanging out in. Really? I see lots of scum and villainy every goddamn day. The Twi'leks need a drink. And you just, you know, they walk away. Um, the other the other thing I do is NPCs don't always have accurate data. <laughs> <laughs> so you ask somebody what happened and uh, my kids learned this early on and they first level characters, they go in there and uh, the, what was it? The blacksmith's son had been kidnapped and uh, what took them? It was demons, small demons. They had wings and the, the kids look at AJ who's played he goes, dad, we're first level. These can't be demons. I said, they believe they're demons. He said, oh, so it could be anything. I said, yeah, ask him questions if you want to. What does it look like? Oh, they're, they're small. They're, they're all scaly and they, they growled and they had wings. They're, they're kobolds, man. But I just went full description over the top description. Were they small? Oh, no, they're huge. That guy's lying. He's fabricating or he's just mistaken. Well, in defense of your kids, they are in your game. Oh yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. They know I'm. They know. Oh, I'm as as Modius, yeah. Uh -huh, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. So, totally. Oh, don't want to go there. We all know that dad. That dad doesn't give a crap about balance. So <laughs> what's that? Mephistopheles? Sure. What the fuck? Why not? Oh, look at that. It's Orcus. Wham, 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 wham. Yeah, just saying. Just yeah, saying. No, no. It's it's yeah. it's fair of them to ask the question. I'm not saying that. It's not fair. But I like having for me, as you were saying though, from. Instead of making it a mechanical thing sometimes where you roll the die and if you fail, you have to back off. Because sometimes you can get the skill dog piling issue then too. Sean tries to talk to the bartender. And the bartender's like, ah, piss off. I got to serve these Twi'leks. And wanders over there and starts serving. And so, okay, I'll try it. Well, after the third <laughs> bounty hunter in this group goes and talks to the bartender, they're like, get out. Right? If you start pushing, then what I'm doing is in-game, the narrative-wise, is if you constantly push, you start skill dog piling. The NPCs are getting sick of your shit, and they start kicking you out of their establishment. If you pitch a fit, they've got bouncers. You go too far, they call the cops. You know, they don't have to put up with this abuse. So, just push you out the door. And again, NPCs don't always have the full story. Don't always have the true story. Some NPCs, um, I used to do this often in my vampire games when they would go talk to people. I shouldn't say often, but it was a trick I would use where somebody liked attention. And they would tell you something, but they always step up the story a little bit. They always embellished. The tale was always a little bit bigger than you thought it would be, right? And then you go there and you're like, this wasn't that big a deal. What the hell happened, right? Um, well, it turns out this person's just not a very trustworthy trustworthy source. And that becomes a thing, you know? How do you... Um, I've got a couple other ones, but Sean, how are you dealing with it when it happens? Do you do, you do it in-game like that? Are you doing die rolls to say, all right, fine, try to push your luck? I mean... Mechanically speaking, uh, 7th edition Cthulhu has that, right? If you fail, you can push, and then something bad happens, so which is kind of cool. But how are you dealing with it? 
So one example that came up specifically is that there's the Red Wizards in the Tomb of Annihilation. And then, of course, there's that component. Um, so it, it, it varies depending on what the role of the NPC is. And if it is, it's funny because I think we, as game masters, I'm not answering this directly, but I think as game masters, sometimes it's hard to not dump the Google on the player characters because as a person that's standing there that probably knows some things, maybe they're from the area that they would probably divulge some of it. But then again, you also want the players to, it's a weird dynamic. There are some organized play modules. It kills me because it's very formulaic. You're brought in as a group. There's a point of contact. The point of contact wants to hire you for something, so they spew the stuff and make the It's the Mr. Johnson approach, right? It is totally, totally Mr. Johnson. Go get this. Go get this, right? And of course, then there's like six points, right? So if the players ask about this, this is the response. And if players ask about this, then that's the response. Well, then there's the conundrum. Well, do I just puke this upon the players or do I have to get them to actually poke and prod? So every time I'd play organized plays, we'd go through these kind of routines and then I'd go, I'd ask the NPC as a player character, is there anything else that we should know that you haven't told us? (laughs) <laughs> which is the ca- which is the catch-all question, right? Are you so, sure? Maybe. Right. One is that more? it? Did yeah. we miss anything? Were there any questions we should have asked that we didn't? This feels like an interview process, right? So this totally, is, man. This is, I'll tell you one of the things that <laughs> the other thing that can happen, and this is kind of a solution in my mind, anyway, is we will the NPC. It's it's fun. We want to get in character and talk as the NPC. You don't have to do the funny voice. We have a mannerism, or even just plain dialogue, where you say, "Oh." Yes, stranger. How were you? Oh, fine. I'll fetch you this. Oh, you'd like that? Oh, boy, that person up on the hill, they sure aren't trustworthy. You can, in lieu of that, shortcut it and say, what are you trying to find out? And you just kind of break that moment for a second. Go meta for a minute. What are you trying to find out here? I want to know, has this farmer been to the boarwood? Oh, okay. Yeah, the farmer has not been to the boarwood. They can tell you that other people have. They're kind of, they're nervous about it because they're giant wild boars in there and there's actually a rumor of a werebore some kind of a horrible demonic large pig that uh, kills people uh five nights have supposedly gone missing in this wood that has that was not in character it was not in an npc voice or in whatever but it's a shortcut through some of that process instead of having to go back and forth and back and forth and you asking just the right question to speed it along sometimes and to then do a google dump quickly and say, I'm basically telling you, this is all they know. You're asking them, I assume you're going to ask them for everything they know and you're going to push them until you get it. Well, I don't want to be a dick about it. Okay. So I'll tell you what, it takes an hour. You buy a couple of drinks, mark off two silver pieces, and you've been able to talk to these farmers and get some information out of them. Or, Hey, you've been hanging out at the bar. You finally talked to the one Twi'lek. You've got some pretty good information and you know where Commander Solo is. Great. You can you can shortcut. Some players don't like that. Some game masters don't necessarily like it. But it is a way and a tool I've used um, sometimes just to speed things along. When it feels like you're just pushing the NPC and pushing them. And sometimes I do have players who have done this, and even some of my group, they are very clever and they love being clever. And they, oh, 
I ask him with my left foot on the bar. Now I shift to my right foot. Now I start twiddling my thumbs, but right over left and then left over right. Does that do anything? You're like, are you fucking kidding me? What's wrong with you? Those are extreme examples, but crazy. You know, drinking from my left hand versus drinking from my right. Trying to put my glasses on, take them off. I've had people do this stuff. You're like, what? what do you think this is going to? You think this is some secret sign? What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> so to get past that stuff ages ago... I developed this thing like, look, what are you trying to find out? My, my NPC would be El. Oh, I am. I am are you, dealing are you, with El Ducho. <laughs> yeah. I have had. I have had people at ba ages back of El Vampire, and they do them like, are you? The NPC would be like, are you hitting on me? What? What? You look like you're coming on to me. I'm not interested. Oh, good lord! I I apologize. <laughs> and the other the other thing that I honestly though might if it's. Hmm, no, that's like a one-shot thing, right? Like, hey, you deal with the NPC and move on. There's a difference then if you have a recurring NPC that's always there. And people have mentioned this in the Forgotten Realms. Um, well, you just go talk to Elminster and he'll tell you everything. Well, first off, no, Elminster's kind of a cranky old ass. Um, at least that's how I've always run him or seen him run. He's an old guy who doesn't have time for your shenanigans. But if you have a, a town with this person, you come to find, oh my gosh, in this town is an old retired Jedi master. Wow. I bet this person would know a lot of stuff that could possibly solve our problem. So they give a bunch of data. You're like, oh, great. That's perfect. It's there. You now have this fixture NPC who's a retired Jedi master. Two sessions later, they come back to the Jedi master to ask him something again. Next time they come back and ask him, you know, something else. And again, and again, and again. But and next time he's dead. Yeah, then you kill the bugger. You kill the bugger straight off if you have to. Just weave that into the plot line, or you die of old age, or whatever you got to do. But if you're dragging NPCs around with you, it can be trickier. And where you know you're talking to the person with you, and you turn to the NPC and say, "Well, you're from this town, or aren't you from this planet, or whatever the case is." So I still, I still tend to step out at that point, Sean, and do the meta thing where I say they don't know that. You can ask him 16 ways from Sunday, but, you know, Colonel so-and-so, he may be from here, but this is the first time he's ever seen this. Oh, he's just a shock. Yeah, he's absolutely shocked as you are that this is how the bears are acting or this is what happened here. And, well, that's, and that's and that's yeah. a shitload right there. Like, Well, I think that's, that's a thing we've touched on, I don't know how many shows ago, but one of the things that is lost in RPGs at times is how a character may feel. And that is something that a game master needs to tread lightly upon because you want the player to be able to dictate how their player character feels. Yeah, because if I tell you, you feel sad right now, like, well, I don't well, do I? Why, why would I feel sad? Right. Is there a spell on me or something? Yeah, right, of right, course. right. Yeah. But at the same time, there are, like, gut instincts, intuition, mm -hmm. where you can't necessarily get that. And if you do, it may not be in the right direction where the game master can help out with that and say, well... Your gut, you, you feel as though he's telling you the truth. They're, you're, you're getting a feeling from the player, the NPC, that they aren't hiding anything or they have no ulterior motive. To inch that player character along, like in a way that they're they're not. Oh, I'm not getting the answer I want. Like I'll I, tell you the other the other thing to help inch them along there too. Kind of a it's like a finality to it is that's a good place to do the skill check sometimes because you'll get talking. Sure. And you're like oh. Fuck, I should have had him do a this, that, or the other thing. But the conversation is just flowing, man. It's going, and everybody's having a good time. And suddenly, Ange says, boy, I really, man, 
I just don't know. Inch, give me a sense motive. My players in my Pathfinder game are like, oh, they're using that all the time just to see somebody lying to me. Can I do a deception check? And I'll drop the difficulty super low, like five, because it's really obvious. You know what? They'll say, I only got an eight. That's okay. It was only a five because here's the deal. This person is, it's so obvious that they're lying to you or so obvious that they're heartbroken and very upset. And when when the skill check occurs and the answer happens with a decent narration, a decent description, it it's the nail in that coffin. Like, oh, that's it. There is no more to get. Because sometimes it could be, well, I get where you're saying that he's from the planet, but he's never seen it, but it doesn't make any sense. You said he knows a lot about, all right, I'll tell you what, give me a roll. Roll your deception, roll your whatever it is, whatever your interpersonal skill is that would help you in this case. And if they roll it, if they fail it, they botch it, or they do really well, that's a level of finality that sometimes certain players and game masters too will say, see, there, that's that's the answer. And in those cases where sometimes that's when the dice are really, or whatever your randomizer choices can really be your friend. In those cases, like, look, this is the answer as you know it right now. Act upon this. Because sometimes the, the constant pinging back and forth to the NPC is, I don't know what to do. And they're basically asking the game master through the NPC to tell me which direction to take. Right? So, and in lieu of you going, look, take the right goddamn passage. Why are you doing this? Get on the spaceship. You're supposed to go here. Instead of doing it so overtly, the players will ask the NPC. And sometimes I have seen over the years where players don't even realize that's what they're asking, but they are asking that. So again, a, uh, a die check or in this case, a fortune point, as Gabe was saying he has seen, that gives a level of finality to the answer. Like, this is it. This is all you're going to get. Or in Sean's case, is there any other question I should have asked during this interview? (laughs) (laughs) To make sure I've milked everything because of the goddamn formulaic approach to life. Does that make sense, Sean? Yeah, it does. And it's a balance. Like, you got to, I don't, when I put NPCs in there and there's information that could be conveyed to the party in a constructive manner, then great. I want to be able to do that. But they also have to, I mean, you got to make it realistic if they're going to just divulge it walking down the street. Hey, you should go talk to the wizard. Yeah. Why? Well, because I think you have questions about stuff and that wizard would definitely be able to answer them. You know, whatever. Like, what? I like that because like in the Cthulhu game for my kids, they show up at the haunted house, they describe the neighborhood, and there's a guy in the neighborhood who's, uh, he sells, uh, he's a cigar, basically sells smokes and magazines and newspapers, right? He's the newsstand guy. So I describe him and AJ's like, oh, he's in the neighborhood. I'll ask him what he's seen. Perfect. He was the only named person in the neighborhood that I gave a description of. I said, oh yeah, and there's a newsstand there. There's a guy. It says, you know, sells newspapers or whatever the hell I said. I can't remember what it was. And then um, I said, there's other stuff and shops and things, but that's the only thing that stands out. Just give that type of a, and then, oh, let's go look over there. I do have other players like, oh, that's where Brett wants us to go. Where's the, uh, where's the nearest um, used shoe dealer? What? Sorry, I'm going to go talk to him. Bastards. (laughs) Players like to do that to me too. They go look for something that doesn't exist just to, because they, they, they just want to mess with me. Um, (laughs) But I, I think there's another piece. Gumshoe does this um, in so far as that if there's a main piece of information you're supposed to get, 
You need to get that to move on. It's like a clue coupon, and some people say and derisively, and other people say clue it, coupon. Say they like it. But this the will other, grant you one clue. But this, oh, ooh, neat. <laughs> the other thing I found, though, is that sometimes if you've written the thing, you've built the thing, or you're running the adventure, you're like, oh, this is really cool data. I, I hope the players know this. You can tell them. You don't have to wait for them to ask just the one question. If you really think this adventure would be a lot more fun if Mr. Johnson up front told them the three super secret hidden points, there is no gaming place unless you're wearing one of our shirts. You can just freaking give it to them. When in the talk, if the talk is going well, no, no dice need to be rolled. No specific question needs to happen. Let's say it's just going on. It's just a really good chat. Next thing you know, you're doing a podcast with a dude for six years and you're like, how the hell did this happen? But, you know, you could, you can just have things naturally evolve and say, you know what? This, this conversation is going great. Um, yeah. They tell you the three secret points because why not? Let's, let's just make this happen. And some, and some adventures, quite frankly, the pre-generated, pre-generated ones I've read, Sometimes like, man, I, I really hope they ask this question because this is really cool. And boy, this adventure is so much more fun, I think, with this thing known. Right. I want them to have fun. I want to have fun. I want them to have a good time. So I do my best to try to sometimes to coax them. You sure you got nothing else to ask them? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You sure you don't want to try it one more time? Well, and or, the just reason- dump, or just dump the data, man. You could do that too. And the reason there, that's a, a bit of a conundrum is because you don't want to just spoon feed them everything. You don't want to just dump on them all of it because it doesn't. It, then it sucks some of the fun out of them discovering things. Yeah, it is. It is an art. There's a piece, and I think what what Gabe's talking about here, more specifically, is the every time a question gets asked or a decision needs to be made, someone turns to the resident NPC and says, "What do you think? What do you think, Gandalf?" I'm gonna call my next NPC Google. <laughs> hey Google, <laughs> or uh, or hey or Siri, and they have to address them as Hey Siri, That's right. or or Alexa. So that way, when they're in your house, and they say, Hey Alexa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what you should do. That would be funny. Yeah, there, done, <laughs> done, finished. Any players that have listened to this that are in any of my games, there you go. There you go. That's the answer. Now everybody in Mothership this Thursday is going to be like, Hey, hey, man. hey Google. Yeah. Um. I honestly, though, I, I think that in that case, the the fortune point, sometimes stepping outside an, into the meta level and saying, you know, Commander So and So has seen this end of the uh, this end of the galaxy, one side and up down the other. Boy, he's never seen anything like this before. You can see it in his eyes. He is not kidding. That man is shocked. Okay, that's the answer. We, I don't need to prod him and poke him and say, should I fight the monster? Should we try to land on that strange planet? Do we eat this thing? What's this facehugger doing here? Oh, my God. It, there's there's no point in wasting time or looking for the NPC for guidance because they are just as gobsmacked as you are. And that is that kind of takes that out. You're in the dungeon. You're in the spaceport. You're in the jungle. Wherever it is you are, you look to your guide, and they go, I have no clue, man. I am just as shocked as you are right now. I literally have no idea what to do. My compass has never failed me before. I don't know what to do. I've never had this happen. The goblins have never attacked us before. I, I wouldn't even I don't even know what to do with this information. That type of thing, I think, for me anyway, is an in-game way to solve it. And sometimes you can you can also have the some some would say grown up, but also kind of annoying discussion sometimes, or some people call it annoying. Is guys, look, uh, you've got the same thing with your group. I've gamed with my guys for over almost twenty-five years now. I go. Stop asking him. He's not going to tell you what to do. 
If you really don't know what to do, go back home and call your mom. Stop that. And Lenny's like, yeah, you're right. I'm being a jerk. That's too. I just, well, he's here. I want to bug him. You know, we can, I know these guys. I can, I can rib them and give them crap and tell them that they're acting like a bunch of little kids for asking permission for everything that they do from the stupid NPC. If, if I haven't known you for 25 years and I can, and I don't want to insult you like that, um, I would be a little bit nicer and, you know, say, Hey, again, this person is shocked. They really don't know what to do or, or they could look at you and say, you know, I, I honestly don't know. I'm sometimes you can also tell Matt, Matt Colville brought this up in a video where he said, I just flat out told the player that the person you're asking is a coward. He will follow you, but he's terrified to make his own decisions. Oh, good to know. And sometimes that type of thing also, in, as you travel or whatever, you can start to bring that out. This person's afraid of their own shadow. This person is terrified of something. This person won't make a decision. Every time you ask them, well, I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know, Sean, what, what, do you, what do you want to do? And every time, you know, what, do you, what do you think? What do you think? You know, NPC guy? Well, I, I, I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm not sure what to do. I mean, it, after a while, you stop asking Google if he always says, I, I don't know, what, what do you want to do? It's like trying to go out, trying to pick five different people in office. Where are you all going to go for lunch? After a while, that game is really boring. And people start making their own decisions. Sean, are there other ways that you've dealt with this? No, not necessarily. I mean, it's... It, it, you give them the info that they want and they you answer the questions that that are asked um it all depends it, again it all depends on the motivation of the the non-player character sometimes they just don't have they don't have the info they're not yeah they can look at you like it's look, so funny because I'll, I'll get like what are you talking about he doesn't have the info and he's like like he lives here you know and then there's this, like this big freaking weird why are you arguing with me on whether this and non-player character knows the info you're looking for or not. Like they- I, I, uh, I had that conversation a while back with somebody, and I said, who lives five houses down on your left by name? Right. And they went, well, I'm like, I'm just saying, we're playing a modern game right now yeah. in Chicago. <laughs> you tell me who lives on the flat, you know, three stories above you, third from the elevator. Who is that? Well, okay, I get your point. I'm like, I'm just... <laughs> Not everybody knows everything, dude. It's just not possible. And some people don't pay attention to anything. <laughs> there are people I work with that that you know still don't remember certain things. Like how many times do you have to tell you, you know, you it just it happens. Right. So, cool, Gabe. I don't know if that helped or not. And if other people have different ideas, we talked a little bit about you know using mechanics to kind of put an end to the method. Like, hey, you ask a thing, you roll a die, spend your point, you either get or don't. That adds a level of finality. I think having the in-person conversations, the stepping out of it to the meta perspective can be pretty helpful. But if other people have got better ideas or tools or things they've done in the past, or if you've done shit that hasn't worked, <laughs> it's always good to hear too because we can learn from those mistakes as well as anything else. So you good, man? I'm good, Brett. Let's move on to die roll, brother. Die roll! Die roll segment of the show. We talk about comments. Comments. For duty for miscellaneous points, gaming and geekery, I want to share with you. Uh, first one's the YouTube video I did on uh, Spell Duel. Check that out on YouTube's. Uh, more to come. Mm-hmm. Suggestions are welcome. You had a couple like, in the forums, man. I did have some on the forums. Uh, second one, congrats to the 2020 Any Award nominees. Check out the list. Uh, Appendix N podcast. Uh, that Brett and I have both been on. 
They're uh, awesome people. Jeff Jeff and Hoy. Yes. Going over Appendix N books and uh, novels and bringing guests on there to talk about them. So check that out. It's a good show. They are really good people, and uh, I I think they deserve it. Absolutely. Last one, interactive Eberron map. Thanks, John Arcadian. I don't know if I don't know if I knew this was out there, and I didn't know if it was done by John. I thought I had seen one prior, but maybe it's not. So I may be bubbling up something I was already aware of, but I thought it was cool. It's a big go online, big map of Eberron, and you can. Zoom I want to think. Right I want to think we've talked about it before, but man, there is so much cool shit out there. Sometimes, yeah. like, have we seen this before? Have you seen it before? I don't know. I'm gonna show you what I just saw. It's uh, do it, man. No, it's really cool. I took a look at it. Um, so John does good work. Yeah. Hell, hell of a designer, good developer. And an all around good guy. Yes. I think there's one for Star Wars out there. Like it. You can zoom in and out of the the, gal- uh, the galaxy. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's super awesome, man. Otherwise, that's it for this show and die roll. Yeah. Uh, as being episode 300, that's 300 hours plus... 300 shows in a row minus like one week. So I think it's only, it behooves us. We we thank people on a weekly basis, but you know, I think it only, I think we need to to do it uh, specifically on this show for sure. This is a big ass milestone. And quite frankly, Sean and I have talked about this before. We've said it here. We have, um, we have people who have supported us through Patreon. We have people who have supported us um, in other monetary ways. We have other people who, can't don't want to whatever you know they don't do it monetarily but they tell their friends they just listen and write in and when they see us at conventions they come over and talk to us they interact with us on the forums we talk online some of the coolest gaming people i've met in recent history have all been people because of this show um it's wild you know it's it's really really cool and i think without having the listenership and the engagement that you all have with us I think the show it would have died a long time ago. And oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean you you all have done a great great job helping Sean and I keep things going. Gabe's idea of this this um this topic, we've had a number of those over the years and the feedback. I'm I have learned so much stuff. I no hyperbole at all. I am a better game master and a better player from the feedback that you all have given to us over these last 300 episodes, what 6 years of doing this. I've learned a lot. A ton, and I'm a better gamer. And quite frankly, I think I'm a more open-minded person than uh, to a lot of these different perspectives and uh, ideas than I ever was before. And I see things way differently now than I ever did before because of what's been opened up. I'm like, holy crap, this is a problem. Holy crap, this is a cool thing. Wow, I should try to say something to 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 help people understand that this is okay or whatever it is. There's, you guys are, you folks are just awesome. So thank you. Yeah. So patrons, you know, in the past, present, you know, future, when they when they listen to this after the fact and become patrons, that has helped us financially and paying for hosting and a bunch of mm-hmm. other stuff. Thank you so much. Thanks for everybody that's ever written in, submitted a die roll, showed up to a con, made us stuff like, yeah. you know, run, coasters run and... Run, yeah, ga- run games at cons under a banner. That is a huge running, compliment. Yeah. That's a yeah. huge thing. Yep, but. running games at cons. I mean, there's so many, and, and you all partake in your own special way. I mean, some of you are just simply subscribers and listen to the show, and that is just great. Like, that's just fine. Um, 
And then, of course, I think it would be amiss if Brett and I did not thank our significant others because there's plenty of things that are out there that some people may find more important, and namely our wives may wonder what the hell we do every week for like an hour and a half. Uh, Yeah, there's a lot of other things we could be doing, and this is an extension of our hobby, and it's a time thing. And it's big. So Tam and Susan, thank you both very much. It's, this is a lot of work. And yeah. uh, the fact that both of them and my kids and everybody else puts up with the fact that I got to do this thing, you know, can you do this Monday? Nope. nope. Recording Sunday? Nope. nope. Recording. It's just um, both you and I, Sean, we're pretty, pretty lucky. We've been given, given the latitude to do it for this yeah. long. Yeah. A lot of people, you know, they're not able to do it and swing it. And, and we've had the the graces of key individuals in our lives, specifically Absolutely. those two that have allowed us to do it. Misdirected Mark, I'd be amiss if we didn't thank Phil and Chris. They really kind of gave us a boost right in the beginning, and they, they did a segment on their show talking about our show. Oh, I mean, yeah. It was, I mean. Unbelievable yeah. support from those guys. Huge stuff. Buffalo. And if it wouldn't have been for that connection, the Streets of Avalon from a book perspective and a product never would have happened. Actual play podcasting for that setting never would have happened. The Kickstarter, all that stuff. And, uh, I keep saying, I've said this before, but Sean, it comes down to the fact that you recruited me at a job, found out I was a gamer. We continue to have lunch together. And one day you're like, hey, have you ever thought about podcasting? I'm like, isn't that that stupid lame thing that has no traction? You're like, oh, no, no. It's really cool, man. Let's talk about this. Got an eye for talent, Brett. Apparently you do. I don't know okay. why you wasted, wasted that on me, but all right. Thank you. Yeah. And then uh, also thanks to, you know, this goes back and I think Brett would probably do this as well, but. To the folks that got me into gaming way, way, way back in the day, I could be, you know, a, a 40, 50, 30 some year old guy who never understood what it was, never mm-hmm. got into it. It was never presented to him, never had the opportunity, but that didn't happen to me. I was young, a kid, had older friends, and uh, I know Jeff was in the chat, but I think he might have just, he may be watching, but he may not be in the chat, but you know, getting me into D&D when I was 13. I mean, I'd had a long hiatus, but, and getting back into it. But, uh, you know, that's, I mean, I don't take that for granted. That was, that's great. And I'm glad no. I got to, to realize this hobby through, through buddies of mine. So. No, it's really cool, man. If it hadn't been for a sleepover at my buddy, Todd Thompson's house in third grade, this, I wouldn't be here. Yeah. It was that thing. Hey, you want to play this this game my brother and I play? Sure, whatever. <laughs> and, Jeff's and, in the chat, and I and here I am with all this stuff. Oh, yes, awesome. Yeah, pile on, Jeff. <laughs> all right, uh, man, we done. Right. Yeah, we're gonna. I'm. We're gonna. So we're gonna wrap up the audio. Uh, okay. What are we talking about next week? Do you know, Brett? I have no idea yet. We'll figure that out. All right. Uh, I'm Sean, and I'm Brett. Good night. Good game and all. This episode of Gaming NBS brought to you with the help from the following BSers. Corey Wynn, Graham Miner, Sean Nicholson, Brett's biggest fan, Forrest DeGary, Tim Jensen, James Carpio, not Caprio, Misdirected Mark Productions, Jason Todd Crapper, Eric Hoffman, Christopher Lang, Mark Richmond, Peter Skeins, Gord Cranford, Eric Bontz, Knights of the Night Crew, Evan Harrison, Cass, Goblin's Henchman, Jessica Sparks, Palladian, Cole Kego, 
Yorkus Rex, Kevin Lovecraft, Jeremy Marr, Sean Knight, Christopher Gray, Scott M. Law, Corey Sepalak, Moore Reese, Rolfer Guild, Steve, John Steve, Brian Kurtz, Ray Otis, Stefan Dragonspawn, Larry Hout, Mark Saka, Pure Mongrel, Chris Steele, Ron Bishop, Thomas Hook, Wayne Humphrey, Craig, Brandon Barnes, Laramie Wall, Dan LaValley, Jason Hobbs, Guy, Old School DM, Perry Besor, Jim Fitzpatrick, John Kayward, Corey Gonzalez, Eileen Barnes, Robert Nemeth, Nola Burt, Niall Diamond, Howard Bishop, Eric Salisbury, the Closet Gamer, Aaron Coleman, C.W. Mellencat, Craig Huber, Old Scouser Roleplaying, Andy Hall, David F. Balog, Harrigan, Melissa Bashinsky, Ryan Rumble, Henry Newcomb, Eric Telvola, Roger Brasslett, Mark Soam, Andy Hall, Eric Avia, Ron Blessing, Jeff Seifert, Mike Hess Jr., Angus, Rory Weston, Curtis Hinson, Jim Ingram, Daniel Garrett, Eric Frankhouse Presents, Hus Carl, Jason Weeb, One Dollar Adventure Frameworks, Jared Rasher, Phil McClory, George Sedgwick, Tony Shulof Baker, Jay Plata, Ghost GM, Michael Dinos, Trezzy, Mike Cyberlick, Chad Gleyman, Finolf, Josh Wallace, Adam Grotjohn, Ed Knights, Corey Welsh, Merkel Froelich, Rich Wishon, Joe Swick, Curtis Takahashi, and Aaron Raylia. Hey, tell somebody about our show. Thanks, everybody. We really appreciate it. This, this has been a Litterbox, Litterbox Studio, Studio production. production.